Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Seth. And this is Track Walking. This week, uh, we're going to talk about everybody's favorite book that makes them cry. Not really about the book, but uh, about driving in the rain. Yeah, I've never read the book or seen the movie. Uh, Tears. Uh, is it? And not like the, oh, this is kind of sad, but like ugly tears. I think that's why I haven't seen it because my wife hates watching movies. Like she's like, dude, there's enough sad stuff, like real sad stuff in real life. I want to watch movies like Tommy Boy. There's nothing sad at Tommy Boy. See, I I think I'm, I have become, I, I've, I'm getting to the level of where your wife is at. I don't like uh, horror or like traumatic stories i'm just like you know i've been through some stuff i don't like reliving that on any level like i have enough anxiety in the world why do i want to use my free time to experience anxiety i just want to giggle that's it i want to giggle and snuggle up on the couch and uh yeah that's where i'm at so uh and the book the book of course like goes into more detail the book is really tough um it you know, the movie just because of the pace of it, like you've got to skip by some, you know, some sense of time and like this, the hardship of it all. But it's, uh, yeah. 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 Well, we should, should we talk about actual rain driving and then yeah, bring probably. back in metaphors? Because like that's, that's what we do and metaphors are important for everything. So pretty early on when I started driving, um, I think it was the first event, my first quote-unquote full season of driving, which was the year before GLTC started. Um, and so it would have been my second track weekend ever. And we went to mid-Ohio, and it rained all weekend. That sounds fun. Um, and it was kind of the last time like last track event before the one lap of america and we had our continentals we were still on stock wheels stock brakes but with better pads stock suspension like all this stuff and um had a ball just an absolute riot of a time and you know at that point some of it for me certainly was ignorance i didn't I didn't know all the lore and culture around mid-Ohio at that point. I just knew, like, all right, we're going to go slower. It's a challenge, and a lot of people don't like it, so I'm going to try to like it more than everybody else. And uh had a real good time. So did you just luck into being awesome because you were in a squishy car on decent tires? I mean, that was certainly part of it. Uh, the tires and the squishy suspension did not hurt one bit. Um, the fact that uh, in that particular weekend we had a guest um, lead instructor for Grid Life. Um, his name is Tom Ogeman, something like that. Gremin? Um Yeah, something. I don't yeah, know. Something. He yeah. spiked hair, blue glasses. Um, yeah, that guy. Yeah. And so one session, um, since I was feeling good, like finally I'm in a car where power, like, or I'm in track conditions where power really doesn't matter that much. And so I'm going to go out first. And I happen to be directly behind this weird lead instructor who's driving a Jeep track hawk. And um, so I followed everywhere he went and kind of got the lay of the land um, from the man on his home course and went fast. And we were still even doing uh, right seat ride-alongs at that point. So uh, my, my instructor, Nerm, Nerm and I uh, were going around corners just yelling and having a ball. It was a good good time. I don't know what to make of that. So you drove one weekend in the rain and became awesome at it, and you've been awesome ever since? Uh, I think I realized the challenge of it. Like, rain driving is very different. Right. Um, 
and I realized the variability of it, the the gray lines in not actual lines, but like there's a big fuzzy gray line in the middle and you constantly have to find out which part of that's best. And I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed kind of the David and Goliath story that that could, you know, give little slow cars like mine a fighting chance. Um, I enjoyed the challenge of the elevation and the slipperiness of mid-Ohio. I just, I enjoyed it very much, and it was kind of our secret weapon for a long time until we got into a paddock full of Hoosier H2Os, and all of a sudden it's like, like, even uh, the last time we were at mid-Ohio, you know, we were on our street tires, and, you know, we had a, I felt like a pretty solid finish, but just so far back because you know we're in the middle of h2o land um so i'm I'm looking forward to next year if everybody's going to get to experience rain driving on street tires so my my argument with with rain driving is it validates my idea that every car is better if you take away half the grip And if we if we could figure out how to have half the grip, if we took if all we did okay. was take half the grip away from the entire field, yeah, everything would be better. Oh yeah, and shoot, this is going to come out before the the our, our special guest. Anyway, yeah. one of our special guests, which will be coming out next week, uh, has a great idea for um, spontaneous wet weather racing uh that i think should be implemented somewhere because it's a fantastic idea (laughs) absolutely so so we're supposed to talk about racing like so driving in the rain is a philosophical thing though mostly because most of our driving is done in dry um just just statistically and and we have and some people won't go out in the wet which right irritates me but well yeah, but it's understandable depending on what they're driving. Um, and I'm not even going to go into the motorcycles on slicks nonsense. But Jesus, yeah. but I had when I had a, a, a full STS prepped Civic, um, that car had whatever three and a half degrees of camber in the front, and it was stiff. And if it was cool and raining, you couldn't get enough load into the tires to actually be driving on the flat part of the tire. So you were driving on the inside edge and the car was undrivable. If it was cool and wet, it wasn't like you had half the grip. It was like you had, I don't know, 8% of the grip and it would snap over steer and it would do horrible. And arguably that's, that's like a failure on my part to not have a rain adjustment for the car. Sure. But, but it was, it was completely undrivable in the rain. And I was using 200 treadwear tires at that point, too. But um, I, I sympathize a little bit with people who look at their cars and go, this car on this day is not something to go drive on. If if we had our druthers and if we had a, a full pit crew and knew, you know, had the magic ball, which was going to tell us the weather conditions of any given race or session, I would 100% be swapping out spring rates and doing alignment adjustments based on what weather intermediate conditions or dry conditions. Um, What I really appreciate about the whole dry versus rain driving thing is the, the dry line, like, you know, people can kind of argue about, you know, well, I like to do a little bit earlier of an apex here, or I really like to drag the brake all the way down to the apex here. But everybody's largely, especially the fast people, are really largely doing the same thing, just to a different degree, different car prep, things like that. That goes completely out of the window with rain driving is depending on the time of the day, how long the rain's been falling, 
how cold it is or how warm it is, the number of laps, it changes every single lap. You're constantly having to change what you do to suit the conditions of the track and to make your tires, make your car, make your tires do the best that they can. And you're no longer trying to carry the most amount of speed in the corner that you're trying to in the dry. Typically, like, minimum speeds are, like, one of the big things you're paying attention to in, in dry dry track driving, right? But in wet driving, you're really trying to uh, get back to throttle as early as possible. Like, you're trying to set up a series of drag strips from corner to corner. Yeah, because you can mostly go straight. Like, going straight, you can go fast straight for yes. most cars. Yes. Until unless you have so much water on that you're hydroplaning, right? Your straight speed isn't really that much different. Yeah, it's when as you long start. As you can push yeah, it's when you start asking the tires, okay, we're going to be braking and turning, or we're going to be accelerating and turning, and the right. wet tires just don't want to do that. They don't really do that. No, no. Um, and that's part of my argument, even in dry track driving, of on why I think you should be on the worst tires you possibly can for as long as you can. Because the better the tire, the more it fills in that gap between braking and turning and accelerating and turning. As it starts to cover up all those mistakes that you're doing in dry track driving that are just abundantly clear on a wet track. Because if you go in a little too hard... And all of a sudden you're trail breaking in the wet and start to turn like it's not going to work out great for you in a lot of remind, places. Remind me later in the show, I have a, I have a, a driving cart question to ask you because I, I have things to tell you later in the show about this last week. It has yeah, to do I, with carts and turning. And I have a question I, for you I, and people. I mean, I'll, you reminded me. I'll tell you something. I don't know if it's going to be. No, it's going to be important. So, but no, I, I agree with you. That's, that's the thing. And that's, you know, in, in motorcycles, that's the, the same type of thing is you, all of a sudden you can't, you can't turn in the same way because you load the tires completely differently by leaning the bike. So now you're trying to achieve whatever you have to keep the bike upright more. Sure. Um, you can't put the same, it, like like you say, you, with braking and turning, you're adding lateral force to something, and you can only add so much lateral force to a tire before it slips. And the act of turning in all in in everything, but especially in motorcycles, is you know adding that that lateral force to it. It's just in a car, and you add lateral force, it wiggles. Yeah. And in a motorcycle, you add lateral force, and the tires go bloop, and you fall over like yeah. <laughs> right. immediately. Yeah. The, the speed with which you fall over in the rain cannot be exaggerated. Comedic. Yeah, it's just like, I'm up, not up anymore. Um, and, I, and I think that's another attitude thing um, that people, I've I've at least find drivers who enjoy going out in the rain have, is they're less concerned with lap times. Um, or maybe they are, and but the expectations have to change. Like right. for people who only enjoy going out in dry conditions they want to go as fast as they possibly can period and so rain simply gets in the way of that where well there's no solid number in the rain right like you sure. may like like you have a time at gingerman in the dry you know 82 degrees you know like this is what i should be doing you put the rain out and it's just like whatever is best and it doesn't have a number anymore. It's it's subjective. It's feel. It's what other people are doing. And so you're right. You're it would. It's a little bit like taking the lap timer out of a car and going, you know, going back to the original. What feels good? Let me let me do this in a way that feels like I'm being awesome. And that's a really freeing thing to to drive and feel awesome or feel bad rather than having a, a number on it. And that's one of the, I feel like that's one of the hard things about having wet track records at different tracks. Yeah, that's crap. Because like how much rain was falling, how long had it been falling? What's the temperature? Because when it's warm and wet versus cold and wet, drastically different. Yeah. Drastically different. Um, 
And and like you said too, uh, the the whole data aspect, data is helpful to a point in the wet, but again, it changes constantly. Um, it depends. Like, are you right behind somebody, and are you able to put your tires in their tracks? And all of a sudden, you've got more grip in a place where normally there wouldn't be as much grip because they're actively drying the track in front of you, and you're riding that line. It's yeah, it's a lot more. I don't want to say like seat of the pants, but um, it's tough. So, do we want to go like? Let's let's get like mechanical for a second about like the theory of wet weather driving. The the theory is that in the dry there's a general line that's fast. And most cars follow the same general line. And even though tires wear out very quickly, what we don't realize is that tires still wear out pavement and it wears out asphalt because everybody's largely driving on the same line. So this line that is driven constantly in the dry gets polished. And so if you think about, like, look at the concrete or asphalt really, really closely, there's, when it's fresh and new, there's, like, all these mountains in it. Like, all these, like, sticky things that help the tire to really grip. And those get worn down and it gets smoother over time. And so when it rains, all of a sudden, if everything's really nice and polished, the water sits directly on top of the racing surface. And when something like a tire tries to go over that surface, you don't have any traction. You don't have much traction. Versus when you go to a lesser used part of the track, like the inside of a braking zone or the outside um, in the middle of a corner, all of a sudden the pavement do still have those peaks and the valleys where the water can still sit in those valleys and you can still have some asphalt that you can grip on top of it. And this is also why new pavement is usually much quicker than old pavement. So the theory is, is when you come into a brake zone, wherever you usually brake, you brake at least half a car to a full car inside where you usually, or motorcycle, not to exclude you, you two-wheelers. Um inside of where you usually break because again not many people break there so you're going to have more grip and then you slowly towards the end of the braking zone go away from the apex and this is where people really have a hard time is it feels weird because you're going for the outside of the corner not the inside apex that we're all super used to doing and you go towards the outside, you get a lot of rotation into the car quickly once you're out there. You find the grip, turn the car, and then get it pointed straight and go back to throttle. It's really like you're, instead of trying to round out the corner as much as you're possible, you do like a kind of a soft square. <laughs> you go in, you turn, you straighten the wheel out, and you go. And it works. And it works. Most, mostly. Yes. Um, Except for where it doesn't. And then you got to find that. Yes. And the high speed stuff is usually much trickier because it is high speed. So the amount that you can go inside and outside usually is, isn't as much. I'm thinking turn one at mid-Ohio. There's less wiggle room. There's still stuff you can do for sure, but there's less wiggle room there versus like a low speed corner where there's a lot of stuff you can do. And it changes from track to track. Every track surface is different. Um, you know, mid-Ohio is certainly... Any one place of, they've patched it yes. is, is a huge, huge issue as well. Yes. And, that's, and that was one benefit that I found actually at mid-Ohio in that rain race is they put new pavement on the inside exit of the keyhole which is turn two on the pro course. And 
generally what you do at mid ohio is you break offline you go to the outside you really do that rim shot all the way around and you straighten it out and you come in and what i found on the warm-up lap is that that new pavement on the inside had a load of grip to it so i would totally throw away the entrance just to get on that new stuff grip and go and that that was a secret weapon until um the guy passed saw what i was doing and then <laughs> used <laughs> used my trick against me so <laughs> yeah um have you ever uh what about track walks in the rain i haven't done many uh the only ones i've done have actually been on the one lap right um one thing i do find useful is you drag your foot across the surface um like across the track, not down the track. Right. So, you know, coming into a break zone, um, you know, feel with your shoe, like put a certain amount of pressure on your shoe around where the dry line would usually be. Go to the inside, drag your shoe there. Does it feel different? Because that's exactly what your tires are going to be feeling. Same for corners. Um, you can also usually see if you get down towards the actual surface of the track you can usually see that sheen that you want to stay away from. The whole, the the easy line is you want to stay off the shiny stuff and you want to stay on the matte finish or the flat finish stuff because the flat finish is where the water has a place to go rather than the surface of the track. We do, when we're riding motorcycles, at least those of us who are kind of crappy, crap at this, we, uh, as a track is drying, it's not unusual to watch people drag their boot a little bit and you can feel a drying surface. Mm. You can feel the grip come back. If you've got one or two places that you'll test around the track, all of a sudden it'll go from slippery, slippery, slippery. And then you'll do a lap and you're like, it's grippier. I can go faster now. I can break better. I've seen, um, I've seen fast motorcycle riders do that. I never, I, I guess I well, that's, always, that's cons- a different thing. Foot out breaking is like a, a whole different dynamic thing, but okay. in the rain, there is, there is some, you will see people test the track with their feet. Interesting. Um, and I it's, wish, wish it's very noticeable when the grip starts to come back and hopefully you don't, you know, you don't die. It's, I find it interesting that, that at a world level, um, motorcycles are as likely to race in the rain as cars are. Um, because that's not really what you think of, but all the major motorcycle series have rain tires and they race in the rain um, with the exception of like, it can get too rainy. And then you're like, no, except NASCAR, except NASCAR. Yeah. Um, But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a skill. It's there. There's a mental aspect of it. There is. So, so you talked about the car being squishy and that sort of being a thing. And, and we know the mechanical side of that, in why that works but the philosophical side of that is is you as a person can't be tight either um quick like really quick inputs really quick corrections um just just a whole body tenseness is not conducive to good rain driving no um there there has to be a smoothness and a flow and an ability to to be the to be the squishy car yourself in order to to make it work and i think we can talk about rain driving or rainy wet weather conditions as times in your life where things aren't going normally i think is like the most general i can get is like we've all got our flow of the day we've got like a routine of the day and the wet weather driving is any time that gets disrupted and that can be disrupted on a number of levels uh it could just be like i've got this appointment i've got to go to so i've got to rearrange stuff it could go um i've got to visit a member of my family who's sick so i've got to take a day off uh could just be somebody i love died uh could be many many other things but yeah so anytime things are not going normally that's can be considered i think wet weather driving on some level 
And I think my like high level, like my 50,000 foot view is those times like you have to change what you're doing. Is like whenever you try to drive a track the way that you drive a, when you try to drive a wet track the way that you drive a dry track, you can, but it's not going to be good. You're going to be super stressed, super nervous. The car, the motorcycle, whatever you're, you're riding is going to be twitchy. It's going to be unstable. It is just not going to be performing the way, the same way in the wet that it does in the dry. So you have to change what you're doing. And that takes a lot more effort. You know, the little things that happen in your day that are just automatic in the dry, all of a sudden, like, you have to put a tremendous amount of thought into. Uh, because. But on the other hand, becoming super tense and overexcited doesn't make it better. Sure. It usually makes it, it worse. It reduces your ability to flow through an event. Yes. Yeah, and that's, and I think anything here can apply to dry, dry driving or normal life stuff. But yeah, but it normal just is normal. Amplified. Dry is, yeah, but normal is normal and dry is dry. And so like it's, sure. it's, it's easier to apply those things when, like when it's dry, you're like, cool, I have to be relaxed. It's dry. And so you're in a place that you expect to be and it's happy. And so those things that we practice in life to be better are way easier to apply when things are going well. Yes. And and usually when it's raining, the like like remembering to breathe when you're going around is harder. Remembering to have like loose elbows is harder. All of those things that that you you really practice when it's dry to make your driving better yes. are harder to remember to practice when it's raining, just like in life, the like not being short with people because it didn't really make your life better. didn't make any, the other dude's life better. Um, you know, not, you know, not yelling at somebody, not being super tense, like, like all of those things that when life is normal, somebody cuts in line in front of you at the bank and you're like, eh, that was annoying. But if, if, you know, you're trying, if you're late to visit somebody at the hospital and somebody cuts in front of you, in line at the bank it's, dude you just you like like you don't have that same ability intentionally they're trying to ruin your life right and and so those things that you practice which is which is like sort of the the daily forgiveness of jerks around you which is kind of a good thing to practice becomes way harder when your life is is in the rain that day um or for me, it is. I'm projecting a lot here. That's, that's <laughs> what we do as humans. Though, yeah. um, and another thing we we didn't quite touch on is in wet weather driving, you cross over the dry line typically twice per corner. So since you brake on the inside, you go to the outside, and then you want to accelerate on the inside of where you typically do. You're crossing over that line twice. And because you're crossing over it, like we talked about, it's still polished. So you have to be ready and expecting low amounts of grip there. And I think this metaphor is pretty easy to apply. Is that when things are not normal, when things are out of the ordinary, when things are hard is you will still encounter people and situations in your life that are going about normally they don't think anything's wrong they are unaware of what's happening in your life or to somebody that you love and just be aware you have to again you have to relax the car is going to have less grip there you're not going to be as in control in those situations in those moments as you otherwise could be and just Plan ahead as best you can. Make corrections as best you can and just know that those are momentary and there's something on the other side of that. So at least when you're like literally driving in the rain, you know you're driving in the rain. But when you're metaphorically driving in the rain, you don't always know you're driving in the rain 
until it gets slippery. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, metaphorical rain is more difficult than literal rain sometimes. And what we talk about a lot in rain driving is, again, trying to get your tires to do just one thing. They need to be braking, turning, or accelerating as little together as possible uh, versus normal dry track driving where you can definitely blend. And that's where a lot of the magic happens actually is how do you blend the forces? But in wet weather driving, especially on a very slippery track, you want to be asking as little of your tires as possible. And again, extending the metaphor. If, if it feels like we're beating you over like the head with the sledgehammer in this metaphor, like we, we are, <laughs> It's, it's the thing. And when things are not going well, ex- like hope and expect for from less from yourself. Like you, you can probably only do one thing at a time. We're not great multitaskers on our best days. And when you have a head and heart full of something that's taking you out of wherever you are, like when you're just grieving, like your brain's somewhere else. Just slow down. Try to do less is what I'm trying to say. Don't expect that you can keep up all avenues of your life at the same time. Like simplify. Make it a drag strip. Brake, then turn, then accelerate. One after another. My best story for that was when I had, uh, probably after my third kid was born, Maybe after my second, but my my wife came home more than once at the end of the day, and she's like, "You're all in pajamas," and I was like, "Yeah." So that's the thing about today. <laughs> we uh, it's a pajama day. It was we weren't going to extend past a basic survival and trying to keep all of us in some degree of happy today. Um, you know, on a good day, we're all doing pretty good. You know, and and we do better. Some days you were just going to keep everybody alive and happy, and you sort of had to downgrade that basic needs thing. Um, so on some of those days, like if you're freaking out, maybe maybe you don't need to cook dinner. Maybe that's a day you can get like takeout. Those sorts of like recognizing those coping things um, are very important um, for for making it through rough days, emotionally rough days, physically rough days, you know, like a, a small things that, that ease that load briefly. Um, same as in driving, you know, crossing back to where you have grip so that you can make it through a corner um, yep. is good. I think the last thing I have in this heavily beaten dead horse of a metaphor we, we're doing <laughs> is um, <laughs> when... When driving in the wet, we typically say that your inputs with your pedals and with your hands need to be slower. Smoother for sure, but typically slower as well. Because grip levels are lower, and so the sharper, quicker your inputs, the more you're going to be asking of your tires. And typically, again, you're going to be asking them to do two things at once, which we are trying to avoid. So smoother, slightly slower inputs, but when you start to slide, and we say when because it is going to happen, when you start to slide, understeer, oversteer, doesn't matter, catch it quickly. We're usually in the dry. You can drift around a corner. You can let the back end of the car go a little bit and catch it. You can let the car understeer a little bit and still, you know, manage it. On a wet track, you have to catch it quickly because the amount of grip is so low, even if your speed is, you know, tremendously slower. When the car starts to go, it is much harder to bring back. So to extend it, when things are not going well, and you feel yourself getting angry. You feel yourself not wanting to get out of bed in the morning. Again, 
correct that behavior as quickly as possible because typically it's not going to it can es- you can escalate very quickly when things are not going well when you're sitting in traffic like uh Seth was saying and you're just super angry at somebody like you can carry that through 3 days and be angry about it but the quicker you can catch that um the better it's going to go for you and for the people around you. And in terms of the the slow inputs, I would also say that's, for me, that's kind of decision-making. Take, slow things down a little bit. Rash, Rash judgments, rash decisions typically don't serve you as well to make a quick decision when things are not going well. To be the metaphor one degree farther. Please. <laughs> in the dry, you go off in the dry in like someplace like Gingerman, you go off in the dry and you're like, hmm, that sucks. And you drive back on. Yep. A lot of tracks, especially tracks here in Texas, you go off in the wet, you now live in the mud. Yep. And, uh, and so mistakes carry higher consequences or can carry higher consequences in life um when things are bad mm-hmm. um which is to yeah i don't even know where to take that that metaphor but but there's you know when when your life is is falling apart anyway if you let if if you let something bad happen through your own actions it's probably going to be worse um, and that's the catching it early part. Um, the more you can do to catch it early, the better off, the the less likely you're going to end up in the mud. And even up here, when it's in the grass, it it may sound impossible, but when you go into wet grass, your car accelerates. It's so slippery. Like you, you think like, okay, I'm going to slow down. I'll hit the grass and then be able to get it back. No, it gets worse when you get off track. <laughs> amazing yeah put put that in your in your metaphor bonnets yeah i i have some are we done with this because I, I have a thing i have two things <laughs> we, i have two things I, I think we're well well okay cool so, we're gonna, so everybody well else is like oh my god will they stop talking metaphors i'm gonna this is this is kind of metaphorical but it's about something we've done like the whole like i can be a better version of me by dealing with stuff yeah yeah okay so i'm getting better at this be, be a better human by becoming a better race car driver. Yeah. So today we were we were riding dirt bikes in the woods. Yes, I saw. That. Um, and my daughter was killing it. She went out on the the eighty five two stroke. Was doing awesome. Uh, for a variety of reasons, I elected to bring one of the the XR one hundreds that I've got better suspension on. And this is Sonia, who we did an interview with. Um, yeah, this is Sonia. Fifteen twenty episodes ago. Um, yeah. Listen to that one. She's cool. Yeah, she rides all all the motorcycles, and and so she wanted to ride dirt bikes today, and so we went out and we were riding, and she was killing it, and I'm chasing her, and I can barely keep up with her, and all of a sudden I go to turn the throttle, and the throttle's just like, Bleh. there there's <laughs> there's no tension on the it, throttle. It's it, just, it was like what? Bleh. It's uh. it is a flappy tube on the end of the handlebar, and the bike just goes down to an idle. Okay. And I happen to know because of a sign we just passed, we're about six miles away from the truck on trails. It's a, it's a long walk in gear with a bike. Yeah. Bikes don't push as easy as you'd think they do. Push easier than cars. Not that easy. Yes. So I calmly stopped the bike, shut, shut it off, wiggled the throttle and went, cool, that's broken. And I should carry more tools with me. Like, I'll be honest, I should carry more tools, but my bikes don't break very often. And so I thought about it, and I have a little, like a little keychain uh, Leatherman tool oh, on wow. my keys, yeah. which is in which is in my little backpack thing, so that I can lock and unlock the truck. And I was like, maybe I can take the throttle apart and do that. So I took the little screwdriver thing out. Not gonna happen. Like the screws are way too tight. You need an actual screwdriver for this. And so I'm standing in the middle of the woods. Sonia, by this point, is so far away. I can't even hear the motorcycle anywhere. She's just gone. And I realize I can turn the idle up, like way up. <laughs> okay. 
And we, so we, we see where this is going. <laughs> so I turn the idle screw like one, two, three times, fire the bike back up. And it's not running so fast that it wants to explode, but like you, you definitely need to get the, the motor under load like quick. Um, you can't just sit there and let it idle or it's going to make bad noises. But as soon as you drop it into first, it'll go just about anywhere in first slowly. Second gear, most second gear works as long as you're not trying to go uphill. Sure. Third gear, if you're going downhill, it, it's like riding with like a third throttle all the time, sure. except instead of varying your speed with throttle, you now vary your speed with gear changes and clutch, which is a super weird way to ride. Yeah. Um, but I rode six miles back to the truck and was and your like daughter not, never turned around to see no she did she feeling. actually I, I caught up with her like like 10 minutes later she's like did you fall over what's wrong with you and i'm like no I, it, the bike broke and she's like oh that sucks i wanted to do another loop i'm like we're not doing another loop today like we're gonna get back to the truck but like i i i did the okay like i evaluated this is broken there's not really a reason to get upset about this because being upset at a motorcycle in the woods doesn't really help anybody. You know, there was one thing I could try that I could think of. I tried it. I mean, it worked arguably. And then I approached that as a new challenge. Like how do I ride a bike with zero throttle control? Um, Cause it's a completely new experience. I've obviously never ridden a motorcycle at third throttle all the time through the woods. And, um, um, so I was thinking of the fact that like emotionally I did a pretty good job with that. And I was proud of me in that moment. Proud of you too. That's uh those moments I, I typically say a few choice words usually is uh like my first reaction. And I think a year ago I would have, and I think I'm getting better at that. Um genuinely think I'm getting better at at just sort of not being upset that something like that happened, but just sort of evaluating it um, through like, like consciously, this is you, you've the show and you have helped me go. All right. Like what type of person do I want to be in these moments? Sure. Um, and work to be that person sure. in those moments. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I was happy. I got one more thing. I want to talk. This is like a question, though. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. It, it's like a driving question. Mm. There's something I don't think I understand. So I haven't driven things with four wheels in a. I mean, other than like on the street, which doesn't count. True. In a while, right? Okay. It's been all. It's been all motorbike stuff. I get motorbikes, and on Wednesday and Thursday this week, I picked up two go karts, one each day. Yeah. Super. The first. Close. Well, well, one super fast. The the first one was a is a 125 cc two stroke Rotex cart, um, centrifugal clutch, just rear brake, um, 27 ish horsepower. That'd be plenty. And yeah, it's fast. Like it's fast, um, fast enough to hurt you. And my, I did probably 20 laps in that. Um, and then we were running out of gas and uh, a variety of reasons I had to go home. And that cart is fast enough that you're always like a little bit screaming in your helmet and trying to catch the cart <laughs> and trying to do things right. And like right. there's it, there's always something going on. Right. And it's just yep. like, sweet Jesus, let me live through this. <laughs> right. It's kind of the adaptation. It'd be like if you got in, you know, like a like a second gen Viper ACR. Yeah. You I would spend a while just kind of going, ah. Ah, yes. before yeah. warp, you warp speed the stars yeah. are flying past you and and it takes a while so so then on thursday i picked up a a cart that has a, a briggs 206 motor in it so now it's got like i don't know somewhere 10 or 10 or 11 horsepower okay same chassis um exact same chassis same brake setup um but like less than half of the horsepower and uh narrower tires on it and now all of a sudden I can kind of drive with like applying some of my skill set. Yep. Um, and I enjoyed that way more. <laughs> like that was way better because that fits. You've, you've been around my personality enough 
the tiny bikes things, driving Miatas and Accords sure. on track. Like, like I like to be in my happy window so I can learn things. So the question is, I'm going to drive it. And this is one of the first times I can really feel that the act of turning is slowing. And we've talked about this before. Yep. Um, and it's not even just like uh, you're understeering and slowing or oversteering and slowing, but just like an even corner slows the cart. And part of the reason you can feel it because it doesn't have any, even with some throttle on it, hardly has the horsepower to maintain certain types of corners. Sure. And so I was thinking of like energy flow and corner shape. Mm-hmm. If so, I go into a corner under braking and I turn in. And at some point, as I gain slip angle and gain all that stuff, the cart starts to slow. The car starts to slow. Is that where I need to be back on throttle like that early? Because there's there's sort of a maintenance part of the corner. And this is the first time I feel like I'm understanding where I'm losing speed. Because no matter what, as I go into the corner and I turn... And then I feel like I don't have the speed that I need. Like I'm, I'm too slow in the corner because I'm turning. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell if I just need to carry. Do I carry more speed into that? Do I get on the throttle earlier? Is it a combination of the two? What's going on? You're right. You're my driving instructor right now. Tell yeah. me what I'm doing. Well, I always think the goal is turn the steering wheel as little as possible. Right. Okay. I agree. Um, and it's going to depend on the kind of corner. So I've been really kind of reflecting and reading and looking at some stuff. In slower speed corners, um, you're trying to get the car to typically rotate more than you would than in high speed corners. You're trying to change direction more, which is okay. harder to do in low speed corners than it is in high speed corners. So typically... Huge italics, underlined, bold. Typically, in slow-speed corners, you want to trail brake farther towards the apex and maybe even all the way to the apex to help the car rotate. Okay. So how are you changing corner shape as you do that? Because a corner's radius is affected by speed, right? Like the ideal radius is affected by speed. Does that mean... As I do this, as I'm trail braking, I'm also tightening the radius. A little bit, yeah. I do see. I do see myself and a lot of other drivers turn the wheel a little bit more as they get to the apex. Okay. But again, I'm not sure that's all ideal all the time. Okay. Is because again, like your brake pedal is becomes your steering wheel, especially in low speed corners. And the more you're on the brake while turning, the less you need to turn. Like if you're full on the brake and you turn, like the back end's going to come around. And so the whole idea in trail braking is that as you get towards the apex of the corner and you're trailing off the brake, that means you're asking the car to rotate less and less. And then you can start to accelerate, and your accelerator pedal essentially once helps you steer the car or cart straight again. Yeah, so, and I get that. When I get back on, you know, the, the corner wants to open back up. You know, the, the car wants to, like, there's a natural, if I've done the corner properly in a car or a cart, it, like, it pulls itself back to the outside, right? Because yep. it's, you're, you're adding to that. It's So typically, like, if I'm if I'm hearing, like, what I would say without like watching video or like looking at your data, something like that is I would try it one of two ways is one, um, do your braking exactly how you have been and yeah, get back to maintenance throttle so that you're not losing any more speed. But if you're approaching that corner and you feel like you can carry more minimum speed, then your entry needs to change. Okay. But if you're in the corner and you're there and you're like, I, I can't really do much more than this, but I can get back to maintenance throttle here. It's like, yeah, go for it. See how that goes. You can try to break a little bit later. 
um, with the same pressure and still come off, but you're just going to be releasing the brake later in the corner as well. You can try to brake at the same time and brake less so that you carry more speed in and around. Um, okay. Yeah, I get it. I got to try stuff. This was, this yeah. was, it's not that I've never felt it in a car, but I think I'm incorporating some data from, from, you know, 10,000 motorcycling laps right. into four wheel driving for one of the first times. Um, and I did, I don't know, I did five laps in the 206 cart. And by lap three, I could feel this in, in the lower speed corners was the, was the biggest place that it was is it almost felt like, like I was not that I was going so slow, but there was like a hesitation. Like I have slowed, you know, I'd go in, I'd trail break, and there would be like a hesitation because I was clearly going too slow for the corner at that point. Yep. And um, that's, and what I typically hear people do is like, then you get back to throttle, but you get back to throttle much more aggressively and assertively than you typically would. And all of a sudden people are complaining about how the car like tracks out of these kind of corners. And it's like, right. That's the, the apex to the exit's not your problem. Right. It's, it's and that's the thing is that in the first place. Right. And that's where I was. It was like, it was like not like getting on it. Isn't the thing. It's the fact that I'm going, that there is a point where I'm already going too slow Yes, and I can't fix that going forward. I need to fix that going backwards. Yes. Next lap around. Um, so yeah, my, my plan currently right now, my, the entirety of my one lap prep will be in a go-kart this year. We're going to see how that works. I'll, I'll be interested to see how that works. Yeah. So um, be for, for cost and convenience and a bunch of other factors, and I'm not, I'm not 100% sure that I'm going to uh, do laps at speed in Bob Miller's car anyway. I still have to decide. We still have to decide that for reasons. Um, but this is, this is sort of me getting back on four wheels and back to those sorts of dynamics. Um and you know the the difference in in just body position and eyes and in input and all those things that come with with four wheel driving. So I think the um, skid pads you'd still be quite good at. I would I'd want to put you in for those. Yeah, but Bob loves autocross and skid pads and things like that. You know Bob, but, but, he but loves he those get, things. I know, but he gets to do a lot of track stuff too. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Car. Anyway, I'm I'm excited about four wheels for the first time in a while because of five laps in a cart that I sort of felt like I had a handle on. Yeah, I, um, I want a cart real bad. Yeah, but. yeah, fun stuff. We'll have to do a cart show as soon as I get better at this. I'll get like an actual cart person to do a cart show with us about cart things for sure. And I'll make you feel worse about the fact that you don't have one. We are track walking. Uh, you can find us at track walking podcast <laughs> on Instagram and Facebook, track walking chats on Facebook. Um, and we'll be uh, next week. We do have a pretty cool guest. I would uh, highly suggest you tune in because it was a good conversation. But anyway, for the two of us here, my name is Scott. And I'm Seth. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Later.